Good morning. Happy New Year. <laughs> A new and glorious morning. Beautiful. The reading today is from 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 to 28. Final instructions and benediction. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you, <coughs> excuse me, and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your Holy Spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jill. So, good that we read the Greek brothers with a holy kiss after we did the greeting. But I'm going to give you permission now because there's no kids church or preschool today. Um, Christmas Day and New Year's Day fall on Sundays this year and so we start back up again next year. And so um, in keeping with the holy kiss tradition, here's what we'll do for the kids who are here and for anybody else. Okay, I'm going to give you permission to do this. Ask the person beside you before you do this, though, to make sure it's okay with them. I'm thinking back to when I was a young child and I had to sit through church, like on the occasions where there wasn't kids' church or something like that, and there, were, there seemed to be a lot more of those back then. Um, and the picture that I have is me with my head on my dad's shoulder, just thinking in my mind, when will this be over, and hoping that I could maybe fall asleep. And so we're going to give you, all the kids particularly, great permission to just relax on your parent's shoulder or somebody else beside you, if, but you have to ask them, and we'll give the, the adults permission for the same thing. How's that? <laughs> so if you choose this today, like just ask the person beside you, even if it's your spouse, do you mind if I put my head on your shoulder while Todd's preaching? I'm okay with that, and just relax, okay? No takers yet, but you still might. So 2016 into 2017, and I think we can say with confidence now, wasn't 2016 terrible? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but depending on what you read and where you go online, you'll find that. Thank goodness that this year is over. Um, wasn't it a terrible year? And you'll hear about whatever, um, political things or the loss of celebrities. My theory on the celebrity thing is because people are saying, we lost so many more artists or something this year. I think over the last 30, 40 years, more, 50 years, more, popular culture grew so much. 
Those who are alive a couple generations, a few generations before us, didn't live with this ever-present popular culture. So guess what? Every year there's going to be a lot more celebrities die because there's a lot more celebrities. And, uh, but, you know, right at the end of the year, you had the Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds thing, right? One day and then the next. It's, uh... So was 2016 a terrible year? Or was it a great year? I read another thing online saying that actually when a poll is taken, more people think that 2016 was a fabulous year. It shows you the arbitrary nature of some of these kinds of things. How did it measure up? It's good if you're a Cubs fan, I guess. Right? Uh, but in your own family, your own life, you can look back. Those are the things that you really think about. If there was loss in the past year, how do you measure? And whatever you think, today marks, we're told that today marks a new start. But right away, as soon as I say that, that's the challenge. Because we know... Really, that isn't true. It's just the same as yesterday. It's just, it's another day. It has the name January 1st here. Rick was reminding us at our New Year's gathering uh, last night that in Nepal, they're not, they don't use our calendar, right? Yeah, so we're leaving for Nepal, and by the time we get back, it's before we leave. No, it doesn't work that way. But anyway, it's like 2092 or something there. What is it? 2074, so we're going to age a lot on the trip. <laughs> and when's New Year's? Is it New Year's now? No. Right, so the arbitrary nature of this. Is it a new start? And then you make resolutions. So I read yesterday a few articles in various newspapers on, uh, on resolutions, and they're all so interesting but petty in some ways. I mean, people th- 2017, well, I can tell you this for me. 2017 is going to be really, really good because I've made some decisions last night, and uh, I'm going to change a lot of things, right? I'm going to focus on myself more now. To, um, thank you for laughing. But, that, but that's the nature of resolutions. So I read one article in a very reputable newspaper, How to Be a Better Person in 2017. And the list included things like this. Iron your clothes more. Some people are like, preach it! Or this was in an American newspaper, so actually number four said, get to know more Canadians. <laughs> Apparently we're good. And then <laughs> it, one of them was, when you have a dinner party, seat the boring people close to each other. Because <laughs> it'll just be easier on everybody. <laughs> so those kinds of lists, right? In 2017 will be a great year. It's a number, it's... What makes something new? There's an important thing I want to help you with. And and that is the understanding that in Christian faith, so for those of us who call ourselves Christians, or those who are here um, considering Christian faith, or because somebody we're with is Christian, whatever it might be. But in Christian faith, we are to have a different way of understanding new, the word new, and what new means than other people do. And primarily, well, two things in Christian faith. The first is that that which is truly new is found only in God. Everything else is becoming old or not novel, right? So you got a new phone, and a month in, you're already a bit nervous that you know the newer one's coming out. And yours is getting old. And we get old. 
But in God, one point of Christian theology is that all things are new. The God who doesn't change is constantly new. The place to find true newness is in God's love. Always. You know the verse, right? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. And I remind you of this every year, where that verse is found. It's found in the book of Lamentations. It's found in that place where the year before, the week before, the months before, had been the worst that these people could possibly have imagined. More, more terrible than they could have imagined. Their nation and their city facing utter destruction. Death all around. And the book is written as, as a guide to help people lament. And then in the very center of that book, defiantly, as a declaration, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. So the truly new is found in God, and God in Christ makes all things new. This is a flourishing and an ongoing renewal. You know, verses that we have in our scriptures, the leaves of the trees for the healing of the nation, this recreation, the healing of the nations. Whatever 2016 was, whatever 2017 will be, I can say with confidence that it will be in, in world history. I mean, there can be significant changes, but most of the time there's a lot of good and a lot of bad each year. So what ought we to do in our Christian lives? I'm going to give you a New Year's spiritual practice today, and I expect you to do it. So I actually expect you to do something different today than you had in mind when you came here this morning. It is remarkable, actually, that we bring ourselves to places like church, and, we, and, and yet we don't often think, my behavior should change because of what I listened to today. You should do something different this afternoon because of what you hear me say in just a few minutes. In other words, I have the audacity to think that I could help you. And so I'm going to give you a spiritual practice that I would like you to take up even today. Because here's my, here's my fear. I think if you don't take this up today, you're not going to take it up. And it's to write out a New Year's prayer. And so I'm going to give you a sample, and then Keith is going to come up and read a prayer that he's written in a similar kind of vein. I'm just going to walk you through how I would write a New Year's prayer. So when I actually go to do this, I might not actually use these headings, and it might be different. depends on how I'm praying and writing. I journal a fair bit, and I'm going to do this today. And if you don't, I'm going to, we'll have a little camera in your house and see what you do and how much time. And you'll say to me, I just, I've really, been really busy. And I'll say, ha, yeah, like that time when you were sitting there for three hours? I mean, we, we, don't, we don't do these things because ultimately we don't, I guess we don't think they'll make that much of a difference. Or... So a prayer for 2017. Here's my prayer, how I would potentially write it out. I pray firstly, Heavenly Father, that this year I would know consistently your presence. Here's why I pray that prayer. I can tell you my own personal spirituality. Because the time in my life when I feel most alive, no exception, is when I feel and know the presence of God. It can be in joy. It can be in a moment of uh, sharing with my family. It can be in relationship. 
It can be in sorrow. It can be in uncertainty. But when I know the presence of God, I feel most alive. Heavenly Father, this year, I want to know your presence. And then I keep writing. And I know this verse comes to my mind. And if you know scripture, it's easier to write these prayers. And what comes to mind as I begin sketching this out is the, is the verse from the 63rd Psalm that says, your love is better than life. I know that's true in my life. If I just know God's presence and his love, it's better than any other way I could describe life. And so then the psalm comes into my head, the 63rd Psalm of David. You, are, you God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. See this longing for God's presence? In a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of food. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. Secondly, my prayer is likely to include a prayer that I would be a disciple. That I would take up spiritual practice. That I would commit myself to growing in Christ. Heavenly Father, I long to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, my Lord. I want even to be a witness to the love of Jesus Christ for this whole world. The love that is for this whole world. And the 39th Psalm comes into my head. I said, I will watch my ways, hear this disciple-type prayer, and keep my tongue from sin. My heart grew hot within me when I meditated. The fire burned and I spoke with my tongue. Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. This is the prayer of a disciple. Teach me, Heavenly Father, to number my days in, in light of your presence. My perspective in life, in other words, is you. Teach me to number my days, not by somebody else's standard of success, even what most Friends and whoever else will give me, which they tend to give accolades to the things that the world gives accolades to. But teach me to, my, to number my days in your presence. How would I judge myself? How would I examine my own life? Self-knowledge and discipline. Or the 119th Psalm, the longest of the Psalms, but in the middle there, this, this hymn to the Word of God. This declaration that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That I don't know what 2017 holds, but in trusting in you as a disciple, I can know the next step. Because that's how a lamp unto your feet works. You knew that, right? It's, it just shows you just the next little bit of ground. Heavenly Father, I pray in 2017 that I will commit myself to being your disciple among other disciples in this place. Thirdly, I think we all need to pray this. I, I, I could say we all need to pray all of the things that I'm going to lay out here. There's just five that I have. I still think we, almost all of us, need to pray this, and that is a prayer to not be afraid. So many of your decisions are made by fear, uncertainty, fear of the future. It doesn't mean to be reckless and careless, but my Lord... Our Lord Jesus Christ, speaking of anxiety and worry, said this, Do not be anxious. 
And no matter how rigid your church was growing up, can I release you from the idea that do not be anxious was like uh, him getting mad at you? Because <laughs> I know people who like that. I heard don't be anxious in church and it made me more anxious because I struggle with anxiety. And the minister said, you shouldn't be anxious, you know. And then I felt worse again. This was an invitation from our Lord Jesus Christ. Do not be anxious, my child. Look at, because then, you know, he says, look at the birds, look at the flowers. He's not condemning you for this. He's inviting you to a life without being riddled by that anxiety. And then he said, do not worry about tomorrow, which is mostly what you worry about. And then the wonderful, beautiful, great New Year's thing after that. Don't worry about tomorrow because each day has enough trouble of its own. I love this. Right? Look, you could worry about tomorrow, but today's got enough bad stuff, so focus on that. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. That he's saying when he's saying don't be anxious. In other words, he's not saying don't be anxious because everything's going to work out for you today just wonderfully because that's what God has promised. He didn't say that. Don't be anxious about tomorrow because each day has enough trouble of its own. Know my presence in this day in joy and sorrow. So I'll pray, Heavenly Father, help me to not be afraid because so many of the things that I do and so many of the things, maybe more so, so many of the things that I don't do are because of fear. I'll also pray a prayer to love others. And this is one that, for me... Uh, opens up self-examination. I, I love people, and that's not a problem. I'm not, like, you know, upset. Just, just, by, oh, I am when I drive and whatever else. Because people are terrible out there. But this is, for me, self-examination in terms of friends, family, acquaintances, community. Heavenly Father, help me to live my life, thought and action, in loving other people. And I think for me, the first step of that is seeing other people as a person. Not just as my own quick evaluation of them. But to know that that person sitting by you, near you, across from you, even people in your own family. This is hard to think even in your own family sometimes. You can't see what's in their head. You can't see their anxieties. You don't tell even often people in your own family what it is that wakes you up at night. But you know that they have the same things. Your love for others is first to see them as beautiful and frail, right, gifted, but also a sinner. But that I would love other people. In Philippians 3, I'm reminded, following the example of Christ, consider others better, or better can be translated there as consider others more or first. Consider others before yourself. Heavenly Father, that's such a challenge for me and for many here but to consider others first. And thank you that this is the example of Jesus Christ, my Lord. And finally, my prayer will include, include a prayer to be grateful. This is not always a, a struggle of mine, but um, when I can kind of fall into my own head or, you know, you can spiral down mentally and emotionally sometimes. And it's usually gratitude in my life that breaks that cycle. And it can come at, at, you know, it can come as a gift from God. Just 
just all of a sudden, instead of feeling terrible, I feel grateful. And everything changes. The whole thing changes. It's like a green screen and something, you know, it was all bleak behind the weatherman. It was all dark and bleak and, and whatever. And then they just changed the scene. And it's gratitude that does that. And I don't know if others of you, and I don't want to romanticize people who struggle with great difficulties in life, because one thing we know is that life is not fair. And we don't all have the same amount of struggle. Some people in this room have had greater struggle than other people in this room. We all have something. So the way you idealize other people's lives and you think, well, they don't really have any trouble today. They do. They do. But some people have more than their fair share of difficulties. One of the things that I've noticed, not always, this isn't a natural, like it doesn't happen just because. I've seen it in faith, but it's not always people of faith. But sometimes in my life I have noticed that people who can have the most difficulty can also be the most grateful. And you think, when I said that you need to pray for gratitude and that I need to pray that I would be grateful, you right away went to, yes, that's right, I need to pray to be grateful. I hope things work out for me so that I can be grateful. Stop. Right now. This minute. There isn't a person in this room who ought not be grateful. Heavenly Father, This year, I want to live a life of gratitude. And then we end with the great reading from the end of this letter to the Thessalonians. This is three verses, so you you should memorize this. Okay, so there's your assignment for today. Write out a prayer of your own that does this. So I had five things. You might have four or eight or whatever it is. Take a journal, take something that you'll keep, and write out a prayer. What else are you doing today? Oh, I've got a really busy day, Todd. Okay. And so that's assignment one. Assignment two is memorize three verses of Scripture. You will be able to show off to all of your religious friends and say, I memorized three verses of Scripture. Because they're like really, really short. In fact, verse two is two words. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. That's three verses right there. You get, you get credit for all of them. We'll give you stars. The instructions to the people, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There's 2017 for you. What's God's will in my life? What decision should I make? Where should we live? What should I do? What's going to happen here? What about my work? What about my family? I can tell you God's will for you, and this is it. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. A life of gratitude. And then overall, my prayer, because I this is me, I tend to, you know, when I write, even though nobody else is reading it but me, I want to, like, say something significant or something like that, and I want it to sound decent and, you know, and so I try to, like, sum it all up and make it big or whatever. It's also true. It's a desire of my heart. But over all of this, this is what I would do. Over all of these things I'm praying before you, Heavenly Father, would you make my life a life of praise to you for what you have done for me 
and this whole world in Christ Jesus. And I've told you before, but whatever I think of that, like a life of praise, what I mean is the cherubim and the seraphim. These were like these creatures that would appear and God's glory came. And they would at times just burn up. They would burn up out of praise to God. They're like angelic type of manifestations. And an old, in, in the Desert Fathers who I read a fair bit and have been impacted. These are people long, 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 long time ago in Christian faith. And a spiritual novice would go to a spiritual master. And in one case, there's a story, I've told you this before, I'll tell it to you every year, at least once a year. And a spiritual novice, not, not as novice as you maybe, because this, these people like were really committed to reading scripture, to praying, to fasting, to spending time in solitude, to doing all this. But they were still considered a novice. And they went to a spiritual master somebody who was older and and wise in these things, and they said, the novice said, I do all these things. I pray, I fast, I give to the poor. I do." They weren't just bragging, but they, they were saying, what else can I do to get closer to God? And the answer was, and this is what I think of when I think of this, I want to live a life of praise. The answer that the spiritual father gave was, why not become all flame? Be consumed in your praise for God. The novice knew enough not to go, what are you talking about? Heavenly Father, I want to live a life of praise to you because your love is better than life. So Keith's going to come up now and read a prayer that he is writing as a bit of a sample. But do this today, okay? I'm going to check with you next week. Then you just won't come to church. Oh, please, don't worry. So as I read this, I'll sort of be going in and out of prayer and explanation, and it may be, as I was writing it, I wrote in different font colors so I could tell, but I may not, uh, it isn't actually as clear as it was when I first wrote it, what is prayer and what is not. It, uh, it is all prayer in some form. Dear Lord, help me to know your love. Help me to remember your goodness Cause me to meditate on your word. I thank you for the beauty of your creation that I see around me every day. And help me to see that beauty even in the places where it's not obvious. There's beauty in all of God's creation. It's easy to see that when we look around where we live. The geography of this place. The mountains, the ocean, the forest. Sometimes we can struggle to see the beauty of his creation, though. I find this most in people. It's easy with some, but not others. Lord, help me to see your image in all people, not just the ones I like. Help me to always remember that the person who's doing 20 kilometers an hour below the speed limit in front of me, or the person who runs and cuts in front of me in line at the grocery store, Help me to remember that they are made in your image and they are loved by you. We are all called to love others in a way that is obvious that we are different. Our faith should change us. We should be different than those who don't believe. We should be different than those who do not understand the love of God to the extent we do as believers. We've been commanded to love one another, and by that love, 
others will know that we are disciples of Christ. Heavenly Father, give me strength to face the challenges of daily life, patience when dealing with my child or soon-to-be children, and the rest that will be needed, yet often hard to find. As I look into this coming year, when I will no doubt be up at 2 a.m. changing a diaper, let me know the rest that can only be found in your love, Lord. Keep me from worry. About five years ago, Allison and I were at a place where we were getting ready for Isabel to be born. We were filled with excitement and fear. I think it's a, a terror is a way of explaining it that I think every parent has felt that there's an excitement and a terror looking, not, not knowing what to do. We're now in that very similar place again. There is the same excitement. There is a sense of fear. It is a different fear, though, but it is similar. I no longer have the fear of what am I supposed to do? I have no idea how to do this, but it is now how am I going to remember everything that I learned five years ago? Do I have to learn it all over again, or will it come back quickly? God, I pray for my children. Help them to know your love. Give me wisdom to teach, encourage, discipline, and love them as you would have me do. Help me not to worry. This coming year will be full of change and unknowns. Keep me strong in my faith so that I may know the peace that passes understanding. I know for myself and Allison and Isabel, we were going to experience some major changes this year. The most obvious and probably one of the quickest will be in addition to our family. It will be a big change for all of us. There's uncertainty about our, our housing to some extent. We have a place to live at this point, but by this time next year, we will be living somewhere else, and I don't know where that is. So God, I pray, help me not to worry. I have seen your goodness and provision in my life and trust that it will continue. God, help me to trust. Lord, help me to grow in wisdom through this coming year. So almost a year ago to the day, it was this Sunday after Christmas last year, I preached a sermon here, and the sermon was on wisdom. I said as part of that sermon, and I said with confidence, the one thing we all needed for this past year was to grow in wisdom. It wasn't wisdom of a worldly kind, but a wisdom that is founded in God's love and the love for God. I can say with confidence again this year, we still all need to grow in that wisdom. Lord, lead me in this wisdom. Give me insight and knowledge of your word and love. Help me to respond in love and to truly know what it means to grow in wisdom. Above all else, Lord, help me to love. Help me to love you and give you the glory and honor you are due. 
Let my life be a sacrifice of praise and glory to you. As I close, I'm just going to speak a one-line prayer that was the prayer my grandfather prayed before every meal. And I feel that it sums up this attitude of thankfulness, this attitude of being open to God's mercy and God's compassion for us. And as Todd mentioned, this idea of giving thanks for what we have is one of the quickest ways to get out of a a sense of despair or a sense of anger, whatever it may be. To be truly thankful will get us out of that. And this is the prayer that my grandfather prayed before every meal. God, grant us thy blessing and give us grateful hearts. For Jesus' sake, amen. So not too long, it'll be your turn. I really encourage you to take up this practice. And uh, I know I joke about it, but to, to imagine kind of saying to me why you wouldn't. Um, and I, I guess one of the really acceptable answers would be because I don't think it's useful. Um, but if you do, then if you do think that this could be of use and is even something you should do, then please tell yourself and determine now to take some time today. 15 minutes, half an hour, might be more. Let yourself be led by the Spirit. What we're going to do now is I'm going to pray, and uh, I'm, I'm going to pray uh, over the offer, over the communion and the offering, but then we're going to sing one song before we uh, pass out the communion. I would say that the communion is for people who know Christ or would like to. So let me pray uh, before we turn. All of this, Lord Jesus Christ, is in you because of what you have done for us in this whole world. We wouldn't know in our faith, we wouldn't know the character of the God of all creation, the God of all of the universe, if we didn't know you, Lord Jesus. Your love, your self-emptying, your humility, your majesty, strength, and power expressed most fully in giving yourself for the life of the world. Whatever we think of Christian victory, whatever we think of of jubilation and celebration and joy, whatever we think of judgment and forgiveness, it all comes together, Lord Jesus Christ, at your cross. Why you came to give yourself for this world. And we say together, as we share this communion, to give yourself for us. So we remember that on that night that you were betrayed, you took the bread and broke it and said, take and eat, this is my body. And after supper you took the cup and you said that that cup was your blood and we are reminded that it is in your sacrifice as we take the cup in here, the blood of Jesus Christ poured out for the forgiveness of your sin. So bless us on this first day of 2017 as we take up this practice of the church around the world, declaring our faith in you by the sharing of this communion. We ask a blessing on the offering that will be taken uh, later as well. And we thank you for calling us together in this place today. We pray in Jesus' name.